Placenta accreta. It's on the rise, it's potentially deadly, and we need to know how best to manage it. You're listening to ReachMD, and I'm Dr. Matt Bernholtz. Joining me at Omnia Education's Women's Health Annual Visit in New York is Dr. Jordan Perlow. He's Director of Maternal Fetal Medicine at Banner Good Samaritan Medical Center in Phoenix, Arizona, and Associate Clinical Professor of OBGYN at the University of Arizona School of Medicine. Dr. Perlow, welcome to the program. No, thanks for having me. So to start, give us a basic understanding of placenta accreta and how it gets defined or stratified structurally. The terminology that I like to use is the term invasive placentation. Placenta accreta falls within that categorization, but there's other categories as well. So it basically comes down to a placenta that has uh, lost the understanding, if you will, of its boundaries of growth and grows beyond its normal attachment uh, within the uterus. So placenta accreta, placenta increta, placenta percreta are the terms that are generally used uh, with advancing invasiveness into the myometrium, and with placenta percreta, uh, the placenta actually growing beyond the myometrium. And how commonly or uncommonly are these three forms of invasive placentation observed? Well, it's interesting. The current statistics on invasive placentation, placenta accreta, if you will, would indicate that there's been a dramatic rise in this condition uh, in the United States, and there are some indicators that it may be as high as 1 in 500 to 1 in 300 pregnancies being affected, whereas in decades past, there were statistics looking at this as, as certainly being very, very rare, if seen at all, and some statistics looking at about a 1 in 30,000 uh, chance when you go back to the 40s and, and 1950s. And the reason for this uh, increase generally is thought to be related, of course, to the rising C-section rate in the United States uh, to approximately uh, 25 to 30 percent. And when this was a very rare finding, C-section rates were really in the low single digits when there was more operative vaginal delivery, more breech vaginal delivery, even prior to the days of fetal monitoring and such. So with an increased cesarean section uh, rate, we've seen an increased risk of placenta accreta. Have we seen whether there's any relationship to the way in which a C-section is performed, whether it's with or against the abdominal tissue, for instance, in terms of the the incisions? I'm not familiar with specific data looking at that, but uh, clearly it, it could be a myomectomy, it could be a cesarean section, any invasion of the uterine cavity potentially increases the risk for placenta accreta. Patients who've had a previous uh, cesarean section and are found to have a placenta previa uh, are clearly at at greater risk for placenta accreta, and there's recommendations that those patients actually uh, be delivered in a tertiary uh, care-type setting. Just preventatively or or because the the statistics are so high? Well, the the risk is high enough uh, that this was put forth as uh, what was termed a clinical diamond in a paper that was uh, put out by Dr. Steve Clark uh, not too long ago in the Green Journal, I believe, where they listed 10 clinical diamonds to prevent maternal mortality, to reduce maternal mortality. And one of them spoke to the importance of identifying uh, placentation for patients with prior cesarean section. And if there was a placenta previa identified, then in that circumstance, the recommendation was for delivery in a tertiary care center. My own opinion is certainly that I agree with that, but I believe that tertiary care centers themselves can do things to help improve outcomes beyond simply being a tertiary care center. I see. What would some of those be? So, for example, Dr. Silver from University of Utah published some time ago a paper looking at 
the importance of putting a team together that was multidisciplinary in nature and found benefits to that approach versus their standard approach historically. Uh, we've done the same at our institution at Banner Good Samaritan Medical Center in Phoenix, Arizona, where we've created uh, a very, very structured multidisciplinary team that includes maternal fetal medicine physicians, but also relies very much upon physicians in other surgical disciplines. For example, we have urologists on our team. We have trauma surgery on our team. We have gynecologic oncologists on our team. And of course, we have specialized uh, anesthesiology physicians, the neonatologist as well, blood bank personnel, cell saver personnel, as well as the interventional radiologists that are necessary to try to reduce the uh, morbidity from this uh, particular condition. Yeah, let's focus in on that because you mentioned a number of niche specialized interventionists that may be needed for a person who's uh, undergoing a labor and delivery with placenta accreta. So what are some of the potential consequences that a patient might be dealing with here? Well, the main issue relates to blood loss. Uh, The placenta that doesn't separate in the normal fashion during the third stage of labor or at the time of cesarean section. These are patients, anyone who's been there can can see it and uh, certainly knows it as well as I. The use of the term torrential hemorrhage is not an overstatement. An attempt to try to separate an adherent placenta where there's a placenta accreta can be life-threatening to the mother because of acute blood loss. So generally in those circumstances, if we have concern for that, we will not make any attempts at uh, placental delivery and generally proceed with uh, cesarean hysterectomy to avoid that increased bleeding. We also do uterine artery embolization using our colleagues from interventional radiology to reduce blood flow and hence reduce blood loss as well. We'll have the urologist placing ureteral stents to avoid uh, injury during the time of hysterectomy to the ureters. And the patients are monitored, obviously, very, very carefully by anesthesia. And then we have our blood bank on notice of the potential need for large quantities of blood products. Well, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to ReachMD. I'm Dr. Matt Bernholtz, and I'm joined by Dr. Jordan Perlow from the University of Arizona School of Medicine. So, Dr. Perlow, it sounds like, from what you're talking about, C-sections are right around the very first thing you're thinking about as far as how to proceed. But what if you have a patient who is insisting on a vaginal delivery? How do you counsel that patient? Um, is vaginal delivery off the table for all placenta accretas, or is it possible for that to happen without dire consequences? Well, I think it depends on how highly probable your estimation is of the presence of placenta accreta in the first place. And if there's a high probability, meaning that you've had uh, prenatal imaging consistent with placenta accreta, uh, there are certain ultrasound criteria, for example, that raise the likelihood of that problem uh, fairly substantially then I think you have to talk to the patient and really emphasize that this is uh, a life-saving procedure to perform cesarean hysterectomy in that case and not to take the risk that would come from any other uh, approach. Is prenatal detection of placenta accreta a a difficult process, or is it something that's becoming more standardized? Well, it is becoming uh, more standardized, and I think that the recommendation really should be that anyone with a prior cesarean section There should be some evaluation of the placentation in that pregnancy, generally in the mid-trimester or later. And if that patient, again, is found to have placenta previa, uh, she should be consoled and arrangements made for delivery in a tertiary care center, uh, and ideally a tertiary care center that has a specific 
uh, protocol-specific team uh, that's been put together to deal with the complications of placenta accreta. On the diagnostic side, have there been cases where placenta accreta has been able to be discovered in the first trimester, or is that unrealistic compared to second and third trimester observations? Yes, uh, there, there absolutely uh, have been, and, and Dr. Trich actually has published quite a bit on this as it relates to what is termed the cesarean scar ectopic. And some people believe that, in fact, that is how placenta creta actually develops, that mm. the embryo implants itself within the area of the scar and develops from that point forward. But generally, patients that are uh, identified with cesarean scar ectopic in the first trimester uh, are offered uh, termination of pregnancy. Fascinating. So just to reiterate on that, there's been some speculation as to the etiology of placenta accreta as potentially being related specifically to scar tissue. And yet placenta accreta has been diagnosed in people without scar tissue, a known scar tissue. Is that true? That's true. I mean, there is a very, very small probability of placenta accreta in an unscarred uterus. The other area where there's a higher risk are for those patients who have undergone endometrial ablation procedures who did not have sterilization with that procedure as part of the as part of the protocol, and we've had several of such patients who've uh, had histories of endometrial ablation, um, and we found placenta accreta at the time of uh, delivery. Now you mentioned protocols. Do treatment protocols get started based on suspicion alone, or is a diagnosis needed? Can you have a level of uncertainty and say we're going to be treating as though it's placenta accreta? Yes, I, I think that. Uh, it's all about probability, uh, and you have to look at the potential worse outcome in these situations because uh, that would be maternal mortality. So we have to be very cautious about this. Um, patients that have findings on ultrasound uh, that are consistent with placenta accreta uh, certainly need to be consulted and cared for in a specific way to avoid that complication. Well, let me ask you, stemming from that, talking about the management of placenta accreta, who should be managing these patients, and how is the American healthcare system set up to be able to handle this? Well, in our community, uh, we have, as I've said, developed a uh, multidisciplinary team to care, to care for these patients, and we have uh, communicated with the uh, referring physicians in our community, the general OBGYN doctors, um, to be aware that this is uh, rising in terms of its prevalence. Uh, and to let them know of what our capabilities are within our facility. So uh, my own personal recommendation uh, beyond that which was put forth uh, by Dr. Clark that a, a tertiary care center be utilized is that practitioners who believe that there's a probability of placenta accreta or even the possibility seek out experts within their communities or perhaps somewhat outside their communities uh, where they have expertise in imaging for this particular problem, where there's expertise in caring for the patient prenatally as well as intraoperatively. Uh, generally, in our practice, uh, we admit the patients to the hospital between 32 and 33 weeks. Uh, these patients all have consultations with the team members, so the trauma surgeon, the GYN oncologist, the urologist, radiologist. Everyone goes in the room, introduces themselves, goes through what their particular role will be uh, at the time of delivery, the neonatologist as well, and generally will deliver the patients uh, between 34 and 35 weeks as has been recommended. And as you said, from the way that the consequences shake out mainly, we're talking about blood loss as being the 
the, the worst risk here. Setting up for that, is this mainly about supportive care, trying to make sure that blood loss is, uh, is resupplied, is contained, or is there a preventative element or strategy here too? Well, I think the preventative element really comes down to having the right people uh, in the operating room. And uh, that would include certainly maternal fetal medicine uh, physicians who have experience in this area, but also relying upon our other colleagues that have a great deal of experience on a day-to-day -day basis of difficult surgeries within the pelvis. And again, we're, we're seeing you know, rising prevalence of obesity in our population, which of course complicates surgery as well, just from a technical uh, aspect. So we really want to have as many people uh, available and scrubbed. Uh, and we have our trauma surgeons there, our G1 oncologists along helping us. And we have found uh, that that really does make a difference. We've looked at our data using this team approach and comparing it uh, to the time period prior to this. And we've seen significant uh, improvements, especially as it relates to blood loss, admission to the intensive care unit, for example, really clinically relevant variables that have been improved upon and at the same time, interestingly, during that same time period, we've seen an increase in the invasiveness of the placenta. So during the time that we've had this multidisciplinary team in place, we've had a greater prevalence of placenta per creta and in creta, and this is pathological diagnosis, versus prior where there was a higher likelihood of placenta accreta. So even though the disease was worse, we were able to show better outcomes by taking this specific approach and utilizing the other specialists that have expertise in this area. What do you attribute that higher incidence rate of the more invasive placentations? Is it, is it a matter of better diagnosis in the tertiary care centers uh, that wasn't caught before, or is there something else going on? Well, it's, uh, it's speculation, but, but certainly we've seen less VBACs, less uh, trial of labor after cesarean section. We have a lot of patients in our community speaking locally, of course, that had two, three, four, five, six previous cesarean sections, whereas in years past that may not have been as prevalent. The patient may have had one or two. We did not specifically look at that, as I recall, in terms of a variable, uh, but that certainly could be one of the, one of the issues. Well, Dr. Perlow, before we wrap up, any parting comments you want to add for audience uh, that we might not have covered here today? Well, I think we've covered pretty much the, the main points, but just to reemphasize that a patient who's had a prior cesarean section or more than one prior cesarean section and is found to have a placenta previa, the patient should be considered at high risk for placenta accreta and managed accordingly. Well, with that, I very much want to thank Dr. Jordan Perlow for his time and insights. We've been talking about placenta accreta. And invasive placentation, actually, is a term I haven't used before, but I uh, think it actually works far better in this case. Thank you. Uh, I'm Dr. Matt Bernholtz, and I've been your host. For access to this and other important interviews in OBGYN and women's health, please visit ReachMD.com. And thanks, as always, for listening again. Thanks again. <laughs>